Hello, everybody. Welcome to Golf Only Better as we look ahead to the FedEx Cup and the first event, the FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Big money postseason with $18 million to the winner of the FedEx Cup in a few weeks' time. Three events, and we'll get into all of those in just a moment. But first of all, I'll introduce once again my esteemed guests for today, Ben Coley, Matt Cooper and Dave Tyndall. Welcome to you all. Hello. <laughs> ben, let's after, you said, after you said well, last time, Sarah, that we, we're never sure whether to say hello, I still don't know what to do. We need to agree on this before we record. I thought hello. Matt said hello. I was waiting for you, Ben, like a sort of barber's quartet. And when we go, <laughs> we'll, we'll work on that for next time. Yeah. Good. Collective hello all at the same time. That's, but yeah, we'll do that. We'll get that nailed on next time. Um, look, welcome to you all and welcome to listeners as well. Uh, great time of year, I think. Obviously, a change in the postseason we normally with the FedEx Cup it's one two five this year it's 70 then we move to the BMW which is 50 and then the tour championship at Eastlake in Atlanta uh, the top 30 in the FedEx standing so big changes this time around and but I'll start with you I guess that means that we're missing some big names uh, for the FedEx St. Jude this week namely uh, you know a Shane Lowry I think Justin Thomas it was a, a big miss to see him agonizingly close to pitching in at the Wyndham, he finished in 71st, just missing out on the playoffs. But I guess, first of all, the, the changes in that from 125 to 70, do you like what they've done? Does it add more heat, more intensity? Where do you stand on that? I, I'm generally in favour of the FedEx Cup in terms of it fulfilling its aims. Um, I, I think they've made a good system, which I think a lot of people were sceptical about at first. And yet uh, we've had some really thrilling conclusions to the Tour Championship even, which... You know, I'm not a fan of the stagger start, but it's delivered excitement, um, certainly last year. In terms of the 125 to 70, it's easy to say now, isn't it? But the, the problem I have with it is that because of the, the nature of FedEx Cup points, which artificially inflate the value of lower ranked events, like you get 300 points for finishing second in Bermuda, which is what you get for finishing second in, in the Phoenix Open. Uh, and one of those is a lot easier to achieve than the other. So what you end up with is a situation where I'm not even talking about Thomas here, but Shane Lowry and Adam Scott are, are comfortably inside the top 35 or 40 players in terms of strokes gained total this year. You know, Shane Lowry's been in the top 20 of three of the four majors. He was in the mix at the Masters. Uh, he's played really, really well, except he hasn't had that week where it's all come together and he's been second or third. He's played better golf than most players from 40 downwards in the FedEx Cup. And it seems a little bit of a shame that he's not in the playoffs because he didn't have that low-ranking second place or third place that, say, a Ben Griffin or an Eric Cole had. Uh, and I think they'll regret it because they've, they've eliminated some big players. But um, to coin a Tiger Woods phrase, it is what it is. And it doesn't necessarily have a great effect on what's going to happen over the next three weeks, right? We're going to... Uh, still have the vast majority of the best players in the world. And, and there is a reason Lowry and Thomas aren't here. They had their opportunity and they failed to take it. So I don't think it's perfect is the bottom line, but uh, it's certainly, you know, the next three events will be will be fantastic and they'll they'll go a long way into shaping more than who wins 18 million, um, who plays in the Ryder Cup and, and plenty more besides. Exactly. It's a key stage of the season. David, it is interesting, isn't it, though, that they have made some tweaks. Obviously, the points, they've worked on the, the number of players making it through to the playoffs. Do you, do you, as a, in its entirety, do you like the FedEx Cup? Do you kind of like what it stands for? Do you like what it signifies as a postseason concept? Yeah, I quite like it, the way it sort of brings everything to a climax. I think what they have got, right, I mean, we could be 
say say golf still exists in the year 4020 or something they'll still be fiddling with the format um, but i do think it's getting better I, I think in the past we had where players could maybe sit a week out and that never seemed right and then there was maybe was there a time when there was like a a week off for everybody so having three in a row that's definitely the good idea you build that momentum um i kind of think i don't know what 70 seems a bit narrow why can't they do 100 why can't they do 100 then still 70 maybe or maybe go down to 50 then 30 seemed a bit of a a shame and if you just look at it look at those players who are in that gap from 75 to 100 as ben said i think they're going to miss them and justin thomas playing in these playoffs and other players trying to you know bank Ryder cup points um and turn Ryder cup captains heads um aren't going to be there so yeah i still think i, I still think there'll be more meddling next year but in this overall essentially yeah i'm, I'm in agreement with with the the idea overall but they still haven't got it quite right maybe yeah I know Matt what, where, where do you stand I definitely think I agree with Dave I mean three you know back to back I hated the fact that previously players could have you know sat out an event I thought that was I thought that was poor but Matt overall what do you, do you like where it is and do you agree do you think there'll be more more meddling next time around I think there will be more meddling I, I think there was a certain sort of inevitability that once they bought in designated, elevated, whatever the events are called and whatever they'll be called in the future, once they brought in this concept, there was a sort of like yawning inevitability that the big names would would miss out. And so I, I don't think it's, it's almost like not a, it's not a short term problem for the likes of Thomas and, and Scott and Larry that they've missed out this week. You know, at the end of this week, the 50 that progress, they're in a great position going into next year with the, with the big events. And then it's a matter of trying to earn your spot in the big events by these little mini leagues and things. Uh, and that's what they're going to be scrapping around trying to do. Um, there could be the long-term consequence where one of these players who's half decent never actually makes it back into the into the big events. I mean, I think that's a bit of a stretch, but it's a, it's a, it's a distinct possibility, I would think. And that that's that's not going to appeal to, to them. And I don't think it's going to appeal to the top brass. Um, I, think, I think there was a certain sort of... Um, chaos and panic last year um and they've you know they've meddled with things and i think they would like to be able to turn the clock back and have another little crack at it i think and when we look at you know with so much of golf focused on money at the minute and the live scenario and i mean 18 million to the winner of the fedex cup it's staggering isn't it but how much of an ambition how much of a goal is it? i mean mackerel a three-time fedex cup champion they had a nice you know couple of weeks off since the open championship where do you do you kind of think that the FedEx Cup for these top guys does it kind of sit in that little cushion behind the the majors? Where what's the impact of it? What's the importance of it for the top players? Yeah, it's hard to say, isn't it? I think McElroy probably doing some very good Bob Rotella styled uh, self psychology when he said last year something along the lines of, "Oh, you know, I'd, to match one of Tiger's records, um, yeah. uh, you know, this is this is right up there with winning a major and stuff like that." It's like, well. You, I think you're kidding us with that. But um, I do think as the years progress and as you see that McElroy has won it three times, that then becomes a bar for somebody else. The next, you know, for Victor Hovland to try and clear, for John Rahm to try and clear. Um, and there's no doubt that the money is the money. I mean, as Rory will tell you, 18 million won't change his life. Um, but I, I do think coming through uh, three high-class tournaments as the last man standing, and particularly to do it in the way Rory did last year, 
there'll be an enormous amount of satisfaction. And I think for for the players themselves, I think there is appeal in the fact that this is an extended sort of tournament, isn't it? It's it's 12 rounds to determine who gets that money. And sometimes, you know, we play so much emphasis on four rounds of golf four times a year. Um, broadening that into a series allows players like McElroy um, to, to feel like actually that that is a really, in some ways, it's a better measure. You're going to get a stronger role of honour in the FedEx Cup than you would get in any one of the majors because to win it, you have to play well all season to even get there. And then you've got to be one of the top three or four performers over the next three weeks of elite fields. I mean, why wouldn't that have a high degree of value among the game's elite? And I'm sure it'll only grow as the years pass. And Dave, where do you stand? We're going to get specifically sort of into the FedEx Centrude, the first event in a minute where the top 70 will be in attendance. But the FedEx Cup overall, in terms of, say, the betting at the top of the market, given that McElroy's won it three times, but obviously given the season that Rahm and Scheffler have had, how do you view the top of the market heading in to the FedEx Cup as a whole? Yeah, I, I agree. I'd be very surprised if the winner doesn't come from one of those three. Um, we just look at the East Lake Rory's won there three times, got second as well. Uh, next week's FedEx Cup event is at Olympia Fields where Ram won. Let me remember that with four under, I think, when it was last held there. So he's got that course form there. Scheffler's playing well everywhere. Although Scheffler's record... You've got a second at, um, at East Lake, um, but two other sort of middling efforts. Um, but yeah, I, I, if those three have got any sort of start, it's not not ideal. Is that, it'll never happen. But I always think it'd be fun, wouldn't it, to flip it and have the worst players given a start, like a handicap, <laughs> you know, a horse field, and then everyone would, and there'd be a thirty-man playoff at the end if it all worked out. But this sounds dangerously like when Matt accidentally spawned Live Golf five years ago. Yeah. The, the, the names <laughs> for like we're going to come back to this, and it's going to be how they they do golf in five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? All take from the from the Krypton Factor on ITV in the nineteen seventies and eighties. Um, what yeah, show that was, by the way? Good we show. Was great, wasn't it? Yeah, but that, it worked for them, didn't it? Have the lead yeah. having a bit of a handicap, but. Um, so, so, yeah, I do think the winner will, will come from one of those. And I think rightfully so. I mean, those three have sort of separated themselves, I think. If you, if you then go down to maybe Cantlay, he's got a fairly rotten record at Eastlake. I think he's been uh, below halfway. I've got to remember it's 30-man field at Eastlake. So someone coming 16th, that's really not too good, is it? So Cantlay's got a poor record there. So it's hard to see how anyone would... Um, catch one of those three. As for which one it would be, that the betting is—they're almost identical, aren't they? Um, probably. I mean, you'd have to. I think I know Rory might be playing with maybe like a two-shot deficit or maybe more than that. But his record though, is so amazing compared to Rams and Scheffler's that it'd be the one. I think. Um, so yeah. So I, I think the betting's about right but in terms of of those top three. It's. Um, could you back two of them maybe and take a risk on one of them not not coming in? But I can't see anyone outside those top three uh, winning the FedEx Cup. And, and rightfully so, I think those three are, are the three best players this season. I hate, yeah. I hate to jump in. Sorry, Sarah, I'm not going to do this again, I promise. But I actually think the market's wrong. I think the market is underestimating those three. You can back all three of them at about four to five. Well, yeah, know. you know, like, yeah, I know it's a I bit, mean, it's, it's a bit unexciting, isn't it? But you can, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you're going to enter East Lake with probably the guy on 10 under, quite possibly the guy on eight under, and one of the guys on seven or six under. I, I, 
I think you should be talking much, much shorter prices, all three of them. But sorry, that's my only offer on that. No, absolutely. And Matt, just your take on that, because it's you, you, the three guys have been standout, the, the consistency that they've shown in, in in this season. But obviously there is a chance, is that volatility with the, the playoffs and an opportunity for someone to get really hot and to be the man standing with that trophy and that massive check for 18 million at the end. Um, yeah, uh, before I do that, a weird little aside. We mentioned Krypton Factor earlier. This is, a, this is a totally true story. When I put my tent up at the open, I was having real difficulty and a woman came and helped me put it up. And I said to her, this is amazing. This is like the Krypton Factor. And she said, yeah, I was on that. I won it. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> the chances of something like that happening is just absolutely absurd. Um, uh, anyway, um, just a bit, but Ben has totally solved me on that idea. I think that's, um, I, I think makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, somebody can get hot. Of course, Billy Horshaw got very hot um, a few years ago and swept his way through the playoffs. But um, I think it would be very difficult for for somebody to do it up against. Uh, th- that trio have been red hot this year. Um, I mean, Rams had his, his off his off moments, but um, they've you know they've been they've been fantastic. I think it'd be very difficult for them to be toppled. Of the three, yeah. Oh, of the three, if I was to have a fate. I yeah. would go, I would actually go with Rory simply because he's got the best record. I think the fact that he he played with Tiger in that final round uh, that was such an emotional emotional uh, day. I think that that has quite a resonance with him when he whenever he goes back there. He used it as motivation to win twelve months afterwards, and I think it probably it's probably remained there and probably helped fuel his comeback last um, last year. So I think he's got a lot of good vibes when he heads back to East Lake. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Ben, let's start with. Let's come to the FedEx sent you specifically. Uh, TPC Southwind, Memphis, Tennessee. It was a hot, steamy week. Um, course, first of all, what are we expecting layout-wise? What's it going to demand of the players this week? Um, really, really good ball striking. I mean, in many ways, this golf course was made to host the FedEx Cup playoff event. Really, um, you know, big money, uh, big prestige, high pressure. Um, and and the drama is sort of confected drama in a way. Like it's the drama that you get when you put really thick, rough, small greens and loads of water. Um, you know, I, when this was a full field event, I believe it used to regularly rank among uh, as the highest, if not among the highest, in terms of how many balls went in the water. Uh, and you'll see loads of that. And of course, the playoff last year was ultimately determined by the fact that Will Zalatoris's ball didn't quite go in the water, and Seth Stracker's shockingly. Having seen Zalatoris do that, um, he managed to put his in the water. So um, we'll get plenty of drama. But also that's a little window into what you have to do well here. Um, eight of the, sorry, nine of the last 12 winners at Southend have led led the field in strokes game tee to green for the week. Now that, it might sound like, oh, well, yeah, obviously the best tee to green player does well. But that's fairly extraordinary. You'll do well to find another example where 75% of winners over a 12-year period uh, have led that category. It would be 10 out of 12 had Hideki Matsuyama won the playoff, that Abraham Anser won. Um, Justin Thomas won here, putting badly. He lost strokes to the field. Um, Will Zalatoris was in the sort of 25th range, which in a, a field of 125 as it was, it was a good putting display, but not a lights out putting display. So, yeah, I mean, the tee to green charts and, and more specifically, I think, approach play, you've got to drive the ball well, um, but Shorter hitters can definitely compete here. Back in the day, Brian Gay won here. Andrew Putnam has got a good record. So shorter hitters can compete. The iron play has got to be top class. So that was very much my focus. Okay. And with that, players to know any other names? Top, middle of the market when we're looking at some of the potential outsiders as well from you, Ben? 
I think this is a great chance for Scheffler. Um, I, I know his record at the course isn't great, but he did contend here two years ago when he was not yet uh, a PGA Tour winner, remarkable though that may seem. Um, he hit the ball really well last year and, and putted really badly. Now, not a lot has changed in that uh, respect. But there are a couple of things I would say. I've probably said this before, but I, I think in a strange way, it's quite encouraging that he's not really changed a lot. He's not gone to the Lucas Glover broom handle. He's not gone right hand over left. Uh, he's not got the mallet and this putter that Ricky Fowler's got that everyone seems to think he's going to do the business for them. He's sticking broadly to what he knows. And I think that shows a real degree. I don't want to say maturity because everyone says that when they're speaking about Scheffler, but it shows a degree of faith in himself. Um, he doesn't think he's got a problem. And you can say that he's in denial because the stats say that he's, you know, he, he, he should have won four or five times in the last six months and he hasn't. Um, but I think it probably shows that he he feels like the, it, the penny will drop soon. Um the other thing is to say that it did drop in the final round of the Open. He was among the top 20 putters on that day. Um, and finally, we come back to Bermuda Greens, which he's not putted on for a little while. And he was above average in the Nelson in the spring. And, um, you know, he won the players, only had to putt above average. If he puts above average here, if you give me 30th in putting for the week, I think I'd take my chances with that. Um, and therefore, I thought he was the man to beat. Um, and he's very much my best bet. But um, second on the list is Colin Morikawa for basically identical reasons so probably not a great deal need to repeat them but um apart from the bermuda thing i think he's got everything in his favor and he was fifth here last year okay good stuff dave for you picks this week for the fedex st jude where have you been looking yeah my main pick is uh, this is remarkable actually because I, th I think ben and matt like him as well sam burns and there's some serendipity at play here because the presenter of the krypton factor was gordon burns <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous ridiculous i know it just sort of occurred to me that. Um, so, yeah, Sam Burns, I mean, in my Betfair preview, I, I compared him to um, Tommy Fleetwood in terms of their price because Tommy Fleetwood was 28 to 1. And kind of you think, well, that's all right on what he's been doing. But he's never won on the PGA Tour yet, Tommy, Tommy Fleetwood. Um, and Sam Burns has won five times and five times recently. So five times since, was it May 2021? So he's, a, he's an absolute, you know, proven winner, uh, Sam Burns. Four of those five wins have come on Bermuda Greens, which is what we've got this week. And then just to kind of remind us all that this is the time to, to play him on Bermuda surfaces. He, he put in nicely last week in the Wyndham and finished top 15. So I, I, I thought 33 to 1 for him was a really, really sort of nice prize. I know... All season, I've looked at his price and been a little bit baffled why it's not been a little bit short. I mean, he, he won the match play. And yeah, he's not quite had that. He doesn't reel off top 10 after top 10 like some of the big guns do. But when he's on, he's on. And he was so close to winning this um, last time that, you know, he's got the course form as well. If you look back at that as well, he had a power lip out in the playoff. So, he, you know, he could have won that. I think he had a double bogey in his final round, which... He was left to row. I know a lot of players were left to rue that Sunday, but you know he could have just won outright without the playoff. So I, I think Sam Burns at thirty three, and any any time the the tour goes to the deep south southern states where he puts well on on Bermuda greens, he's always one to look at. And at the price, absolutely. And he's got the same name as Gordon Burns. So what more could we want? That woman you met at the Open wasn't called like Sally Morikawa, was she, Matt, by any chance? <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I think if, if you're really careful, I think uh, we should have like an observation round and something to move behind Dave. 
Then you have to be that's the first round of the it was the first round of the Krypton facts, I think it probably was. I've I've got quite a good stat. Like Dave and Ben, I'm really keen on um Sam Burns. And I actually I I remembered that phrase, the deep south, and I went I went and actually um looked to try and discover where those states were. And um Sam Burns in them has played 61 times, that's on the top two tiers, 61 times, 20 top tens and six wins. Um, which which kind of emphasises just how strong he is, and basically that's the the bottom right hand corner of of the United States. Uh, that's clearly like his his sweet spot, his his hot sweaty spots, probably given that those he, are, those are the conditions there. Louisiana, wasn't it as well? Louisiana State boy. Yeah. So I mean, basically the Deep South takes in. If I hope I get this this correct, uh, Texas. I was quite quite surprised about that. Um, uh, what we were, were we Alabama, um, Tennessee, Louisiana, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. And I mean, even if you just keep, I mean, it, it turns out I, I never even knew this, but there's quite a debate about where the exact deep south is. There's even a, there's even a, an official travel organization put together, which is just four, which is Louisiana, Tennessee, Alabama, I think. Um, and even there, he's like he's very very strong. So he, he just, yeah. And I think both both Ben and David agree here. It's it's humid conditions, Bermuda grass. Um, yeah, I think that 33 to 1 um, with seven places is is a great price. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, yeah, Betfair, this uh, sports book um, paying seven places this week. And, yeah, Sam Burns, 33 to 1. Ben, do you like, do you like Sam Burns as a, a shout this yeah. week? Yeah, all those reasons. And one of the other factors, and it, it kind of goes against Morikawa and Scheffler, so it wasn't something I was fully invested in. But it, I, I did go back and sort of check this event, when um, Brooks Kepka beat Rory McIlroy here, um, they were in the final group after Port Rush. That was a week after because we all remember Rory on the Friday at Port Rush, sort of after his he dried his eyes, uh, um, was talking about you know he got a big event the following week in Memphis and get back on the bike. Well, last year and now this year they've had a a, a pretty big gap, you know, three weeks off between the two. And last year Zalatoris had played twice. He was kind of unique among the elite players. Um, in that he played twice between the Open and South Wind. And Sepp Stracker had also played the Wyndham Championship. And I do think that could be a slight advantage. And yeah, I mean, he showed everything that you wanted him, you wanted him to show at the Wyndham, really. Like, if you want to back him this week, you didn't want him to sort of finish in the top three or four because we could have been talking sort of 22, 25 to one. Um, but you wanted to see him pop better for the return home, which he did. And and it, they were his best approach play stats of the year. So um I I think a lot of people are on Sam Burns this week, and sometimes that that gives you cause for concern. It almost seems too obvious, but um, Sam Burns has won all of his titles when it was pretty obvious. I would say, like, he was a big price at the Valspar, but it it was all about those conditions. Um, so yeah, I'm very keen on him this week. And the other factor just to consider is the Ryder Cup. Um, you know, we we've got a heck of a lot of points to play for. He can still very much qualify, uh, but it's very difficult to believe that. Let's say Fowler, Bradley, Morikawa, Young, Burns, Spieth, uh, Finau. Any one of those wins an event in this next fortnight, even if they don't quite qualify after the Tour Championship, they're surely going to be given a pick. Um, and for Sam Burns, I'd say it's it's he's odds against to get a selection at the moment, uh, and this would be a great chance to to go odds on. Yeah. By the way, just while we're on, I'm going to come back to Phillips in a sec. Just while we're on Ryder Cup, does JT get a pick? Given that, has JT done enough? All three of you quickly. Ben, go on. Um, I, I, my inclination was no. 
Um, but as you know, I've, I'll have been on this podcast all year saying it would be silly not to include him. I now feel that Zach Johnson has an excuse if he wants it. But the more I've thought about it, my bottom line would be don't not pick him because the FedEx Cup. Because that, as I said, it doesn't accurately reflect who your best players are. So if they pick him or not, um, don't make it because of that ball not going in in the Wyndham. Um, make it about other things, about how he fits in with the team. Um, and I do, the one thing I'd love to know is, has Zach Johnson said to him, you're in? Or has he said to him, go to, I, mean, I, I keep saying it, but why not go to Europe and, and show how desperate you are? Why not go and spend a week in Switzerland with the family? I mean, it could happen, but I imagine Zach Johnson's told him one way or another that it doesn't matter. Uh, his decision is already made. I just don't know what it is. So, yeah, I'm on the fence. Dave? Has he done enough, do you think? Yeah, I think he does. And I think it's because he hit the flag with his final shot. I think that was a very theatrical moment. I think if it had, you know, run 20 feet past and he just, nothing to it. You know, he rolled on the floor. He played a ridiculous, like, hook shot around the trees. It was all sort of like a a, a, like a, a little highlights reel from what you might have to do in a Ryder Cup, pull something out of the bag. So I think that might have just gone into that. Johnson's brain a little bit. So I think if it, say he'd qualify for these playoffs and then done nothing, I think that would have uh, maybe not then. But I don't know. That's the kind of his, you know, the last image he's left. I think it's quite a powerful one. And I've, I've said before that Cam Young, I think, say Cam Young, he's not the kind of most charismatic uh, golfer. So I think Justin Thomas, just just doing that little falling on the floor and just how popular he is, I just think that might just somehow get him in. So yeah. So I think even though technically that ball hitting the flag meant he didn't qualify, the fact that he hit the flag and then rolled around on the floor counts for something, I think. There you go. <laughs> I, I can't see a Ryder Cup without JT, personally. Matt, just quickly on you before we get back to the FedEx. Um, I think in the unlikely um, circumstances of me being the uh, captain in the Ryder Cup, um, my primary selection uh philosophy would be somebody, how good somebody is in the team room and I suspect that JT is very good in that situation I think I think if there are enough people who've got very very good form record I mean we're talking excellent form records I think it would be quite difficult to justify but so long as that is not the case I think it's it's quite fine and actually quite proper that a captain goes with somebody who 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 makes the team room better I've, I've never forgotten speaking to Atharamonov who said you you don't just win points. You know, it's not just the, the matches that you win is where you win points. If you're helping your teammates win points by what you do off the course, you're contributing to the team. And I think it's a really important factor. Yeah, I, and I think as well, it's, it, it, it leads into the, the utter nonsense argument that is being banded around at the moment that it doesn't matter. Like some people will tell you, oh, you just take the 12 best players. And it, I find it utterly bizarre because we've spent... 20 years with the US going through this reckoning of like, why don't we win? We've got the best players. And now all of a sudden, you've got to pick the best players. Well, hold on a minute. That what that didn't work before. We we all said that didn't work. Um, so yeah, as regards other candidates. So it'd be one of the interesting things is JT, as Dave alluded to, his chances could improve every, like this week at Southwind. You know, if Sam Burns doesn't live up to the billing we've given him if Cam Young struggles like Thomas could benefit from not playing um, in a strange way but I still hope we see him in Crom you never know well there's, there's talk isn't there and it's a lot it's given that he hasn't made the playoffs there's a long time and irrespective of whether as you said whether Zach's given him a little bit of a talk in the year 
he'll want to play, won't he? He'll want to, he, he, you know, he, he didn't have his best off last week, but he found something. I'm sure he'll want to tear it up. So I think we'll see him in Europe, definitely. Um, but we'll... There are, there, are, there are six places. It used to be the Americans, you know, they, they tried with two and then three, and four, but six places and a lot of scope, isn't it, for, for getting him in there? Yeah, exactly. And I just think as well, we did something on this yesterday. The fact, as you said, guys, you talk about the kind of, the team spirit that the the USA side now have. He's part of. He's he's one of the boys, isn't he? You know, he's got that relationship with with Jordan, the relationship with Ricky. You know, he and unbelievable partnerships there on paper. And obviously, they've proved that in previous Ryder Cups and Presidents Cups. So, yeah. Anyway, I digress slightly. Uh, Dave, back to the FedEx Sun Jude. Any other best bets or picks for you this week? Yeah, certainly um, going with the idea of strokes going two to green, which Ben um, focused on. I mean, who's just sort of blitzing everybody away? Lucas Glover. I know there's a there might be a feeling that he's kind of had his perfect moment with his family running on and going, "You won, Daddy!" And it's like, how how do you beat that? But I think if he'd had two weeks off, then he might have then struggled to sort of get back into it. But the fact that he's straight back in there, I think he'll have to quickly get his head on. Um, and he, he now wants to qualify for. I mean, he, that got him into the. Um, Playoffs, and he'll now want to just push and push on. I mean, and his form is unbelievable. I mean, he's got that win, but that win didn't come from nowhere. He'd, he'd finished top six in three of his previous four events, and he finished third here last year. So, you know, his results, his course form, his current stats form. I think two of the last three events, he's led the fieldings in T to green and approach. So he's hitting it unbelievably. And then the massive other factor. Is his putting? I know maybe it's not all about the putter this week, but since he's gone to that broom handle about three months ago, it's completely, completely changed his fortunes around. Suddenly, all that good tee to green plays, he's finishing it off with the with the putter. And I thought sixty six to one on the sports book is is just thinking that what well, he can, he can't win again, can he? But I know it, I know it's been within the playoffs, but at this time of the year, you have seen players win quickly twice. I think Camillo Vijegas won two playoff events. I think VJ did, Billy Horschel did. I think if you get hot around this time of the year, you can stay hot. So on a course where he's played well only last year, I think Lucas Glover is a really good each way. But maybe to, to win again is a bit much, but I can certainly get a place, seven places, Lucas Glover at 66 is definitely. Good stuff. Matt, for you, any other... Any other players catching your eye ahead of this week? Yeah, I, well, I've got one who's whose profile is a bit similar to Lucas uh, Glover, really. Um, it's the man that uh, uh, lost the playoffs, Sepp Stracker. Um, he was brilliant uh, finishing uh, finishing off the John Deere uh, Classic. Uh, really, really impressed me at the Open. I like the fact he's won at PGA National as well. Um, I think he's in great form. And I, I think he's also, he, it, it sounds a bit... It, Everybody's going to be motivated this week, but he's got the Ryder Cup on the horizon and knows that if he can just, you know, just if he just maintains the pace he's got at the moment, he's he's all set for a Ryder Cup um, debut. And um, I also quite like Harris English, who I'm often quite fond of, but one here in 2013, he was the 18, 36, and 54 hole leader in 2021, which was and it was actually just after that that he started getting injury problems that led to form difficulties. Uh, but he's had a good year, third at Bay Hill, third at Quail Hollow contended at the US Open uh, and a bit like Sam Burns it was a good approach stats last time out best he's had in a while so um, yeah I quite like him and uh, Stracker is 55 to 1 top 7 and Harris English 80 to 1 top 7 like them both good stuff and Ben back to you 
Any other I did look. I did look closely at English, actually. Yeah, um, I think he's the only player in the field who's won at the course. Um, but he he's got all the good vibes as well. He's a new dad, and he's Brian Harmon's mate. So um, lots to lots to like about that. Um, I did look at him, but um, I came down on the the top of the market, to be honest with you. So the only one um, we've not mentioned that made my staking plan. Oh, I'd tell a lie. I, I am going with Davis Riley at 250s, but um, I mean, he'll clearly finish about last, so I probably don't need to waste people's time. But he's another look. He, he was runner-up to Sam Burns in the Valspar. He's won in Louisiana in a pairs event. He should have won at Colonial. Um, Deep South is all where he wants to be playing. He's, he's from Alabama. He hit the ball really well last week, but his short game was awful and he missed the cut. And um, he has a tendency to do one thing really badly every week, but um, there's definitely upside at you know, he's basically priced as the least likely winner of this. And I'm, I'm not sure that really does justice to his talent. But um, the more serious option uh, was Cam Young. Um, again, we'd taken a chance on his putter, which is a, a theme of my selections this week, slash this last 10 years. Um, he was second in strokes game tee to green on his debut in this tournament last year. Obviously, his former college teammate, Will Zalatoris, won it. Um, and his putter was a big problem at the Open, which is why he finished eighth. I mean, he, he gained 16 and a half shots with his ball striking that week. That's just ridiculous. Um, but either side of it, his last two starts in the US, he's putted well. Um, and I just think he's he's found his form just in time to, um, you know, remain on the right of the cup radar. I mean, Fred Couples says he's in, which seems bizarre to me. But um, yeah, the relationship with Paul Tesori is you know, it's is getting better, I think. And um I think he's ready to do something. And whether he can emulate Zalatoris and win, I, I don't know. But um he's obviously got the tee to green game to to manage his way around this course. And I, I thought he was really interesting because the miscut of the three M open didn't bother me in the slightest. Okay, excellent stuff. Uh, Dave, just coming back to you for an aside, I didn't pick up on this at the time. You mentioned Tommy Flew, didn't you? The, the top when we talked to a couple of selections for this week. Do you not? And we haven't really, and we're nearly out of time, we haven't really had much time to reflect on the Open Championship because it was, I think we'll all agree, it was quite a bizarre week in its entirety. But do you not worry about Tommy, Dave? Do we, after that, after the Open Championship performance, I just, I've had concerns for a while. I know I think we've touched on it on the pod, but I just worry about Tommy. I just worry about Tommy getting over the line on the PJ Tour. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a slow death, wasn't it? He, he kind of fought, he's, it started fast. Then Harmon kind of went and played two rounds quickly and got clear, and, and then Fleet was sort of hung on in there for on day two. Then it was just sort of getting away from him. Uh, I, I don't know if it, if it was that one because that's a major on English soil. So in your head, is it? Do you think of that as a PGA Tour event as such? I think maybe the one in Canada where he must have just think, well, what have I got to do? Because he lost that playoff um, and had a putt from what ninety feet go in on him against him. So. Yeah, I mean, depends what you mean by worry, Sarah. I just I, I worry <laughs> about his ability to close. I worry about his yes. ability as a closer. I really do, yes. and I think the pressure just mounts, doesn't it? Because he's getting a bit of a reputation, I think now. And I, 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 I think he's sorry. You go, Matt. You go. Well, I was going to. I do think Royal Liverpool was was quite a unique circumstance. Um, I I watched him both before the third and fourth rounds, and he's. He's just, he's, he's almost like too nice. Um, from the putting green to the tee, uh, uh, the clubhouse was just extraordinary. It started off with kids saying hello to him, started with other players. He, he walked up the walkway and the sort of, I don't know, the women's bar or something, all these very well-dressed women all wanted to have a word. Even when he walked in like a, a little alleyway, 
between that have been closed off to the to the public on the course and that there was a wall to his right and and somebody had, had leaned over this somehow from some house and had winched themselves down and it would have been so easy for him to avoid making any contact with these people and he went out of his way to sort of move sort of reach over a fence grab whatever they were giving to him and sign it and it was like tipping down with rain and I was like any other golfer in that field would have just stuck their head down hidden behind their visor and walked off but he made the effort and I think I think his caddy Fino said to him at one point you know you've just got to be a bit harder here and not say not smile to everyone not say hello to everybody um and I think I mean I was quite exhausted just watching it and he was having to, to deal with the whole thing you know, pretty much 72 hours of that tournament. So I, I think that's a little bit different. Um, and I, I, I suspect you'll get over the line eventually because I think, I, I think if you put, I, I tend to be of the opinion that a bit like Janet, if you put yourself in the position often enough, somebody else will help you over the line in the sense that they they don't get over the line ahead of you. And I think that'll probably, mind you, what is quite interesting in what you're saying is two Ned Bank victories recently have been off the pace with a brilliant final round. So there might be something in that. Yeah. Ben, I think you were going to chip in. Yeah, I just, um, I think he gets us. I, I think you're right, Sarah, in that the, the problem is what effect it has to have that reputation. But I think the reputation is unfair. Um, but how he handles that, like there is no doubt lots of people go, oh, Tommy Flew, well, he'll never win. He'll never win a major. He'll never win this. And I understand it. And, but it's a question of how he handles that because he will win. If he can handle that, he, it will happen for him. Um, I, I think, you know, the way he played the 18th in Canada was poor. By his own admission, he said he should have won that tournament. But it, it makes us forget how he played holes 15, 16 and 17 that day. Yeah. And it's the same in the Honda Classic when he's gone for the green back in March 2020 when Sung Jae-in won. He went for the green in two, eagle to win the tournament. And he pushed it five yards right, and that means water, and water dr dramatizes the shot, doesn't it? Like if that's on the final hole in Canada, it just looks like oh, he's just missed the green to the right. It went in the water. It may that like adds bottle points to the people who think there's a bottle problem. Um, but ultimately, again, that day I can't remember exactly. I'm sure he birdied 16 or 17 at the Honda Classic under the gun um, to to really keep his hopes alive. So. Um, I hope it happens soon so that doesn't build up, but I don't think he really has a problem. And I pointed it out on Twitter, so apologies if I'm repeating something people have already read, but compare him and Tyrrell Hatton. And Tyrrell's won once oh, on yeah, the PGA exactly. Tour. And otherwise, their careers are basically the same, only Tommy's been better in the majors and Tommy's the one who's done brilliant things at a Ryder Cup. So I know which one I'd take. And yet people think Hatton has no questions to answer, but he won on that really, really, like, artificially hard Sunday at Bay Hill where everybody fell by the wayside and he hung tough and Tommy can definitely do that I'm sure of it but I'm I soft hope, so yeah no I hope so and he's a he's a we all know what an incredible ball striker is fantastic golfer yeah I hope he does I, I didn't mean to be I didn't mean to be harsh I love Tommy no no I, th I, I don't think you're harsh at all I think it's a it's a valid question I, I think the other thing just to say is that the reason he's so good at majors is probably part of the reason that he'll cope better than most people would at being under this scrutiny. He's so good at majors because he just is patient and he's positive and he 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 has a really good perspective. We've heard him talk so many times. I think he said the money we play for these days is just a joke. Like it's just it's ridiculous. I'm one of the luckiest people. He genuinely feels lucky. And yeah. I think that explains a lot of his success and hopefully why in a year's time we'll be talking about him as a major champion. 
absolutely hope so too look guys just about to to sign off uh just a quick recap of your bets for this week the fedex sent jude uh dave first up yeah so sam burns is my main pick at 33 to 1 uh, then I'm going to go for Lucas Glover at 66 to 1. And I didn't actually get around to mentioning Bayon Hunan, Benny Arn at 60 to 1. Same reasoning, good ball striker, course form, and in great form at the moment as well. Good stuff. Uh, Matt? Uh, yeah, uh, also Burns 33 to 1. Uh, Sepp Strucker 55 to 1. Harris English 80 to 1. I also quite like the fact that Matt Fitzpatrick is 55s on the, on the exchange. Um, that's that's really quite a big price there, and it's not just that he's he's got quite a nice record at Southwind. Um, if he can have a good first round, he, he tends to put himself a bit behind the eight ball at Southwind, but still got three top sixes from four starts. But his brother won last week. He's won once this year. So he's going for the Fitz hat trick, um, the family Fitz hat trick yeah, this week. Uh, and yeah, I think fifty five. I mean, he's, he's going like twenty eight thirty threes, but fifty five for the win's quite big, I think. Excellent. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, fairly dull, I'm afraid. I think Scotty Scheffler, I think he's basically been about the same price every week for three or four months. This is among the courses where he could play exactly how he has played on a number of occasions and rather than finish third or fourth, finish first um, and even quite comfortably. So Scotty Scheffler's the headline. Um, I like Morikawa, Burns and Young. And although I keep forgetting, I also at some stage over the last 48 hours convinced myself that Davis Riley was a good idea. So I better stick with that. And remind me what odds for Davis Riley? 250 to 1. Um, it may be trimmed slightly now, but um, you'll get a big price on the exchanges. I'm, I'm certain of that. Um, and I would advise you to consider trading should he uh, play well for the first 54 holes. Because, I mean, absolutely certain he'll find water at some stage. I just hope he can recover. Excellent. Guys, thank you so much. Just a reminder, Sportsbook um, offering seven places this week for the FedEx St. Jude, uh, the exchange home of the big prices, of course, and in-play value. Uh, do remember to gamble responsibly. And I must just remind all our listeners as well, a little shout out for our new YouTube channel, the Betfair YouTube channel. You can find all Betfair's sporting content. So just when you head to YouTube, search Betfair and it will all pop up for you. We'll be back uh, for the Tour Championships preview in a couple of weeks. Remember, uh, top 70 this week, then we cut to 50, then we're 30 uh, for the Tour Championship at East Lake Atlanta. Uh, thanks to all the guests. Matt's off to watch uh, some previous episodes of The Krypton Factor and we'll be back with our Tour Championship preview in a couple of weeks. Uh, enjoy this week and we'll see you soon.